Welcome to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. We present cold case crimes that we feel can and should be solved with your help. We provide the facts of the case and the research that we have done. Then web sleuths like you help us solve the mystery and provide the victim, family, community, and law enforcement with justice and peace of mind. This is Solve Crimes. Gavin. Hey, Rick. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing doing very well. Um, we're going to, this is our first podcast that we're doing. Uh, it's basically a podcast, audio podcast version of our YouTube channel, which we just launched. Right. Like literally, what, less than 12 hours ago or about 12 yeah, hours Yeah, it was late last night. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's going well. So we're going to do, we're going to attempt to do a, an audio version of our, each episode that we upload uh, onto YouTube. Um, this particular style and, and genre, you know, being a podcast and audio is going to be a little more long form. We're not limited to all of the uh, wonderful and many hours that you spend editing the videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's delightful that we don't have to do that twice. <laughs> I'm sure sure you're you're happy about that. So uh, so I'll be editing the audio, and we're not going to be doing too many edits unless uh, unless something really disastrous happens, and I don't expect that to happen. So well, I I'll do my best not to disappoint. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> so we're uh, we're we started this uh, this journey together doing we wanted to put together a youtube channel podcast and other other things we're going to have a website companion website for people to uh confer with each other and you know discuss things um we we've kind of it's evolved over the last few weeks as we've created this thing and so we're we kind of went down a rabbit hole with this this one case about judith ann hikari yeah and maybe we ought to talk a little bit about the process of trying to find the first case that we went after because what's really kind of funny about this is uh, Judith Ann Hikari's case was the very first one we looked at. Yes. And it just sucked us in. Yes. Now, I was born in 1975, so this, this crime occurred a little bit more than five years. It was, it was, it's about five and a half years older than I am. Okay. And it's an absolute tragedy. Yes. Well, we when we first decided to do, we were going to do a, what a handful, like five or ten, really short videos about about a bunch of small cases. You and I were going to yeah. In fact, we up. both yeah. We talked to each other and you're like, okay, I'll do this one. Okay, I'll look for another yeah. one, and yeah. we'll just kind of. And hers, hers. I saw hers on the list of uh, cold case files on the website of the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department, and it looked interesting, and. I, I was right way beyond anything I could imagine. Man, you're not kidding. In fact, I think it was probably the oldest one on that on that page that we saw. It was like at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, th and this is a case that if you live in Northern California, even, I mean, like I said, I was born five and a half years after this happened, but I know very well about the stories about this time because it was a time in which Northern California was gripped with fear for a couple of different reasons. The first one was girls were just going missing, man. Girls were just disappearing. Yeah. And then there was a serial killer that was taunting everybody. And everybody knows who that is. That's a Zodiac killer, right? Somebody Zodiac never killer. been found. Right. And so if you grew up in Northern California, it's really difficult not to get sucked into the case of Judith Ann Hikari. Yes. And before we get totally into it, just to remind people, in case you don't know, if you're listening, um, we the the take we have on on our on these shows uh, is that it's not just even though it's called solve crimes with Rick and Gavin, uh, it, the the word with is the key word there. We we are actually actively recruiting people, whoever's listening to this uh, or watching our, our YouTube channel, we're, we're actively asking people for help with research. I mean, that's, as we discussed in our video, it's, it's uh, web sleuths helped find and capture, actually capture the uh, Golden State Killer. Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, and... Um... You know, it's really easy to be cynical and just create a true crime video series on YouTube. A lot of people do it, and I'm not questioning their motives, but you know, if they're just if you're just telling a story, that's one thing. But in our case, we want to tell long stories and get deep into the case so that there might be some type of um, way that we can actually help to solve these cases. And and yes. Uh, in the case of uh, Judy Hakari, there are a lot of clues that we know about just from the the news, I guess, reports from 1970, 1971. I'm sure there are a lot of other clues that we don't know about that's still in the cold case file at Sacramento County. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there's. we've been on this crusade and we've been gathering uh, newspaper articles and everything we can find on the web and uh and we're we're definitely getting more and more clues as we go forward and and we hope that that continues and i and i'm i think we're we're hoping that by putting this out there it number one which is what happened with the golden state killer it's going to kind of reinvigorate and bring the story back into the public eye uh gives get some focus on it we all know i mean we, we've discussed doing a uh, an entire episode maybe a series on just the the you know unfortunately i'm going to use this word but it is true the marketing of a either a killer or a or a situation it it really is true that if you have the wrong name or you don't make it interesting or entertaining enough people do lose interest it's it's sad but true people are well, busy yeah and a glaring example of that is the golden state killer right joseph yes d'angelo is that his name he was known as what, Eros or? Eron's. It's, it's, Eron's. it's so ridiculous. Yeah, uh, East Area Rapist and Original Night Stalker. And yeah. even before that, they didn't know that those two were together. I mean, that was a fairly recent thing, putting those two together, because uh, the Original Night Stalker was in Southern California, and East Area Rapist was East Sacramento. But, but rebranding him, and I yeah. don't want to be crass about this, but rebranding him as the Golden State Killer did make people kind of take notice and it was it the work 
of a lot of web sleuths sleuths that helped police track down that monster. And you know what? That guy was living like two miles away from where I grew up. Oh, yeah. Like, I I lived in the neighborhood. He's 10 minutes away from where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a, uh, it was pretty, pretty crazy. And that, and that is absolutely a possibility. I mean, we're, we're not talking about this didn't happen last week or five years ago. That's definitely true, but there is still an opportunity that, that, and a possibility that the, the person responsible for, uh, the crime against Judy Hikari is still alive and could still be in the area could still be here in the state um you know we're not sure i mean it could be could be in jail i mean there's a lot of speculation about who it is sure so maybe we ought to get into the actual story what is what yes. happened to judy hikari right so march 7th 1970 uh judy hikari was 23 years old uh engaged to be married in the following june so just in a few months um she uh had started a career, I think two years earlier as a, as a nurse, uh, was by all accounts really doing everything right and saving her money and putting together uh, a life for herself and a career. Uh, her, she had just purchased a, uh, what was it? A 68. It was a 68 Mercury, Mercury Cougar. Yep. She was very proud about that because she bought it with her own money. And, well, and her uh, folks were proud about it. They called her fastidious yeah. and a person who, yeah made uh made plans and uh, right. and stuck to them right she yes. wanted to be out on her own for just a little while before she got married she she had grown yeah. up kind of in the carmichael area if you're from sacramento she grew up in the carmichael california area which is a suburb on the eastern side mm-hmm. of sacramento mm-hmm. uh, she went to mira loma high school right there uh in in sacramento she then went to American River College right there in, I think that's still Carmichael, maybe Citrus Heights, uh, and then went to Sacramento State College, which is now CSU Sacramento, California State University Sacramento. So right. she's local girl to this town, and, mm-hmm. and she had lived with her parents and wanted to be out on, on her own for a few months before she got married, and she made that decision after they got engaged. Right. Right. So, you know, which at that time, all of that very normal, um, mm-hmm. you know, and she and she stayed in the area. Her her apartment uh, was uh, uh, not too far right down the road from uh, from the uh, uh, Arden Fair Mall. She was working at Sutter Memorial Hospital right in Sacramento, not too far of a drive for her. Ten so minutes. on that. Yeah. 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 So on that night, her work shift was, we believe, until 11.30 p.m. that night. Her fiancé, uh, what was his name again? It's Raymond Willis. Raymond he Willis. He was 24 right. years old. Right. About the same and, age as her. Right. And he was at her apartment, uh, we believe, brushing his teeth around midnight, uh, waiting for her to, to arrive, and they were going to, I guess, spend the evening together or, or get up the next day and do stuff together. Uh, so he was expecting her around midnight. And as midnight rolled around and she didn't show up, he, you know, again, we have to remember 1970, there wasn't texting or GPS or anything. So uh, he had called the hospital looking for her. They had told him, I'm presuming that that she had already left. So when it got to be 1.45 in the morning, that's that's when he started to... He's really worried at that point. He's upset and worried, yeah. Yeah. And so he had, well, go ahead. He he had... 
What yeah, he, he goes outside uh, just to see if she, you know, I don't know. He just went outside to check on her, and her car was in its usual spot. The car door was open, though, and there were signs of a struggle. Uh, right. And those signs, I, I guess, you know, were, were just simply that the keys were on the floorboard. She never did that. And yep. that there were buttons from her coat inside. And so he got very concerned, called yep. the police around 2 a.m. He also called his future father-in-law, Judy's dad. And it, from the first moment, it was considered a missing persons case. They did not, yeah. they did not consider her. Uh, well, I'm just going to wander off, or I had a mental break, or anything. Well, and like that. that is even now, people who are 23 years old and disappear. A lot of times, police will say, you know, they're 23, they're an adult, they can split and disappear if they want to. Maybe she got cold feet about the marriage and split, but just the scene of her car. And the whole situation, and her parents, and and her fiance saying, you know, reassuring or assuring them that this is not her. She was supposed to go upstairs, and it was pretty clear. So, the, yeah, thankfully they did take it seriously. They right took it the serious from the first moment, and uh, you know, for the first couple of weeks on this, it was a full time task uh, for several members of the Sacramento County, the the sheriff's department, to find Judy Hikari. Right. Uh, and they searched the fields uh, nearby. They searched, you know, every, the alleyways. They went everywhere looking for her and just couldn't find her. And it wasn't until a couple weeks later that they said, well, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that she could have just left and they had to devote their resources to other things. Right. And we'll, we'll get into more detail uh, in future episodes, but it uh, there was a lot of reporting in the Sacramento Bee about about this while she was missing and lots of quotes from her i mean it, her dad you can kind of you can really tell by his quotes that he was just beside himself and really really they were all hoping that they were wrong you know that that yeah. she did take off and that she would just come back uh, but i think they all you could tell by their quotes that they were they weren't you know, as the days went on they weren't uh, they weren't too you know hopeful one of the things that struck me as I had been reading uh, quotes from uh, her dad, his name was Will Ho. Uh, he was of Finnish descent and he spoke with a Finnish accent. Uh, so I believe he was a first generation immigrant to the United States. So, he, you know, he came here looking for a better life. Uh, right. And that is something we should say, because Hakari, when you first read that, it sounds Japanese. Yeah, and they make a yeah. point of that in, in the Sacramento Bee and San Francisco Chronicle, the Oakland Tribune. There's a lot of saying, it sounds Japanese, which is a very 1970s thing to say. <laughs> but yeah. he was he was Finnish, and they were a nuclear family. They loved each other very much. He was Finnish before he even started. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But you could, tell, you could tell that there wasn't like, she wasn't a troubled person. No. As far as she didn't come from a troubled background. She came from no. a very solid, very loving uh, family. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So we, that is the beginning of the story, that, that she was nowhere to be found. Right. And that went on for seven weeks. And on April 25th, a couple of hikers were in the small town of Weimar, which is about 40 miles east of Sacramento, right off of uh, Interstate 80, which 
is on your way to Truckee, Lake Tahoe area. Right. So they unfortunately discovered her her body in a in a shallow grave in in Weimar on on April 25th. Yeah, and they found her because uh, there was a like a, an appendage that was poking through the topsoil. They I right. think they saw her foot and there were reports that said that maybe an animal had disturbed it, mm-hmm. right? The grave was small. Yeah. It was uh, two feet deep, two feet wide, four feet long. Right. Uh, it was not... It, she was not well hidden. She was not well hidden, no. But kind of in an area where it's off the beaten path. Weimar is a town of about 200 people. And I said in the YouTube video, there's only a couple of reasons to go to Weimar. That's not a, that's not a slight on Weimar. I'm no, from a small town no. and I currently yeah. live in a small town. I love small towns, right. but, right. but it, it's not a place where people just go. There are not tons and tons Yeah, that of was the there. point you were trying to make is that it's not a, a, a bustling metropolis. It's not. I, I think currently there are 209 people that live in Weimar according to the census. It was probably right. smaller back in 1970. And, um, but so if you're one of the couple hundred people that live in Weimar, it's a beautiful place. I mean, I, it's a picturesque place, man. It's a beautiful the entire, place. I mean, I took it, obviously, I'm, I know you. I took it from what I think you meant, which was where you were saying that in, in the context of uh, the killer probably knew the area. I think so. You wouldn't just happen upon, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, if you just panicked and pulled off the, the highway, I, I guess it's a possibility he could have uh, stumbled upon Weimar if he was on I-80. I who knows? Yeah, it's a possibility. But but that's the context you were using when you described right. Weimar was that, you know, the the probability is that is that this this killer knew that, that spot, maybe yeah. even pre-planned it. Yeah, and Weimar, uh, to just kind of describe it a little bit more, it's Sacramento is in the, you know, in the Sacramento Valley and... I-80 goes up over Truckee, uh, Donner Pass, basically, right? So yes. I don't even know, what is that, 7,000 feet or 7,500 feet or something like that? It's pretty high up. It's pretty high up. So um, so Weimar is kind of below the snow level. In fact, we joked about it. That's where you chain up if you're going over yeah. the Sierras yeah, in the winter. Yeah, there's spots to get, to get chains or have them removed on yeah. your way back. But but So it's like this little alpine town. Um it's beautiful, and the other reason that people go up there if they don't live there is the North Fork of the American River goes through Weimar. There's lots of rocks to jump off of into the river, so there's cliff jumping, there's uh, bridge diving. Then it's also part of the gold rush era, so there's a lot of old mines, and there's just a lot of ancient And wasn't that the, the people who had, who had stumbled upon her body, that, that's what they were there for, was uh, they were going through exploring the mines? Yeah, and looking for bottles, you know. So th- those were the yeah. two reports that I got as they were exploring mines and looking for old bottles. Right, right. Okay. So so that brings us up to now, uh, and, and Weimar is in Placer County, and the Sacramento County Sheriff had started the investigation here uh, with her as a missing person. So as soon as they found, you know, they discovered the body, uh, Placer County Sheriff's were called naturally because it was in their territory and then once she was uh once she was identified then it became a joint venture uh to uh you know to investigate the the crimes and and try to figure out what had happened to her and who did it yeah i think the uh i think the 
Placer County sheriffs took the lead on it since the body was discovered in Placer County. Right. Um, but it was a joint task force. It was full time. It was many detectives, many inspectors that were going after trying to find the, the person or persons responsible for the right. death of Judy Akari. Um, I can't even imagine going seven weeks with a missing daughter. Uh, I mean, yeah, you and I no. both have, we have daughters approaching yeah. the age of Judy Hikari. Yeah. I, right. I have one that's already a little older than that. So it's, uh, yeah, it, right. it definitely hits home. And we're in our next episode, because we know that, and there was so much information from her, from her parents, especially her father, uh, during that time our our next episode is going to focus on that time period those seven weeks uh you know it's that uh, it's going to be called judy is missing and just to kind of focus on that and and what that must have been like for them back then uh you know and 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 we're going to explore in future episodes there's so much to this case uh some of one of our episodes we're going to focus on what life was like in 1970 in sacramento and just in the world in general with with relation to technology or the lack thereof, uh, how uh, murders were investigated back then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it goes all the way to her fiance. If it were done, if it were something today, he probably could pull an app up and GPS and know exactly where she is uh, yeah. and would have seen it, you know, immediately uh, would have been able to text her or would have been able to, uh, you know, they could have pulled up cell phone records. I mean, there's so many things that weren't there then that may or may not have, solve this case sooner we don't know it's a it's a really sad case and i'm yeah. i'm hopeful that we can make a difference here uh, yeah her, well at the very least bringing it back up into the public eye and and hopefully someone will see it that maybe knows something her parents are both passed away now uh mm -hmm. her mom died in 1986 her dad died in 2007 so her mom lived 16 years uh, missing her daughter, and her dad lived 37. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Can't but, imagine. but there's another kind of angle to this story, Rick, and that is kind of what else was going on in the area. And specifically, I'm, I'm thinking about Donna Lass. Yes, and that was in September of that same year. Uh, so just a few short months after Judy's body was discovered. Yeah, so Donna Lass um, was a nurse. She was not from the area, but she was in um, South Lake Tahoe, California. And she was in her late 20s, and she went missing from her apartment complex right. in a very similar way that Judy Hakari went missing. I mean, that and the fact that she kind of, you know, when you when you look at it from a serial killer investigation uh, point of view, she fit the profile of Judy physically too. Same build, same hair color, same height, age. same age, very and same very occupation, which was yeah. I mean that that it has to jump out for you. Now, so one of immediately the, the press was oh, go ahead. was talking about it. No, no, it's, yeah, uh, it was just an immediate connection. Now, one of the major differences between the Judy Hikari case and the Donna Lass case is that Donna Lass to this day has never been found. Correct. So there, the, now, naturally, the areas are a little different too. Uh, South Lake Tahoe, especially at night, uh, and especially if you know the area very well, could you could hide a body anywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and if you did it 
well enough or if you put it in an area where animals could get to it and no one you know sees it for many months or years uh or she absolutely could have left or been kidnapped or you know we don't know even now 50 years later yeah now there is a little bit of a twist on this because in march the following march so march of 1971 a postcard was mailed to the San Francisco Chronicle. And it had an image, kind of this picturesque image of South Lake Tahoe on it, but it had a Zodiac symbol on it. It had a Zodiac cipher on it. And it basically claimed that victim number 12 was taken out of South Lake Tahoe. Right. And you and I have discussed, there are some discrepancies on this postcard that, uh, and, and the way it was, displayed with like cut out letters that it didn't necessarily fit all of the other Zodiac communication with the press and the police. Um, but it was taken seriously. Yeah. And, and it made people wonder, okay, well, if Donna Lass was a victim of the Zodiac killer, could Judith Hikari have been as well? Right. I think we'll get in deeper to that in the series. Oh yeah. We'll have have other episodes. Yeah. But then Oh, yeah, go ahead. right. <laughs> One month later. Yeah, there's another twist to this. Okay, the, the next thing that happens is two more young brunette women, feet, um, kind of of the same build and look as Donna Lass and Judy Hikari, were murdered in Sacramento. Right. One of them literally across the street from Judy's apartment. Another yeah, her, apartment building. Her apartment building was right there. Right. And and as you know, I just drove that that from apartment to apartment and videoed it. And I'll be putting that up. We'll probably be featuring it in one of our, our, uh, our episodes as well. And it's just eerie how close they are. So it, it that one freaks me out. That one definitely makes me believe that, that it was the same person. And, and one of those victims, I think it was Nancy Benalek, right? She was the nurse's assistant. I believe I'm trying so. to remember. But I know. either way, these, these two young women in their 20s, same build, kind of same general look, beautiful young women, are taken one of them right next door. Well, I am I guess I'm it's, embellishing a little bit, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's like kitty so close. Kitty corner. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good term. Um, we're, were murdered. And all of these were at night. This was clearly someone who was operating at night in the shadows, uh, possibly stalking, uh, you know, my take on it from what I've read and seen. It, it, uh, it seems like an apartment building, uh, or apartment complex parking lot. If you're, if that's your plan, not a, you know, it seems like a, it could be an opportunity killing where they're waiting for a, a single female to show up. Uh, but it's, what are the odds that they all fit that same physical description? So it could be something like the, the Golden State Killer, who is not completely out of the picture as the perpetrator, we should say, right? Uh, it, is, it is out of character, and he didn't start out killing people, so that it's, it's unusual. We're not even sure he was here in, in 1970 in this area. So uh, um, he had gone to high school here and then left and then came back. But, uh, but the, the point is he was a major stalker like he would spend days sometimes over a period of weeks pinpointing who he was going to take and you know and he watched them Planned so it, out, it could very well be that perfect. this guy did the same thing he just 
in the shadows and and pinpointed you know maybe uh maybe figured out uh these these girls uh uh timeline and their 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 schedule and pattern you know now we should say the, these two girls that we're talking about one is named Nancy Benalik and the other yes. is named Carol Beth Hilburn yes um so four victims three of which worked as nurses or a nurse assistant mm-hmm. all the same kind of type um, yes. A very scary time to be living in Sacramento, 1970, 1971. Right. So yeah, I think you know these these uh, like this uh, this first episode of our podcast, we're going to kind of mirror a lot of the stuff that we do in our in our episodes uh, on YouTube. A little more long form, like we just did. Uh, it's a little a uh, little looser. Um, we can give a little more detail than we can in the YouTube videos. Uh, the ultimate thing is that we're we are not only doing this, hopefully, in an entertaining way that, that makes people interested. I mean, let's face it, we have to. Uh, if this was dry, people wouldn't, you know, watch uh, or listen to us. So uh, the idea is to get this information out there, get people uh, hooked on the story, interested in the story, so that it it may jog someone's memory. Maybe someone talking about it or sharing or, or liking the, the videos on YouTube or our podcast or that kind of thing will uh, will spread you know, spur some, some new information for the uh, Sacramento County Sheriff's Office, which we, we just spoke with them, and they, it is still an active case. They have not given up on it. Uh, there is a cold case detective assigned to it, and we'll be sharing whatever information we get from uh, the stuff that we look into and our, our listeners slash viewers. So, uh, so we do want to encourage people to get involved and she's been extremely accommodating and professional with with us as we've reached out yes the, the detective yes. in sacramento yes. so i i think the the key here like the thing that touched me about this case is that not only was uh, going going back just to judy and and i don't want to like be flippant and put aside the other three because they're just as important right but focusing on judy hikari this was a young woman with a promising future that, um, you know, she, she was working towards uh, like a, a beautiful life with, with a person that she loved. She's right. violently kidnapped. And, and there's evidence that it's violent. It's a struggle where she yeah. was kidnapped. There's evidence that she was tormented. She was tortured. She was raped. And she was beaten extremely violently, yeah. and uh, and then and then killed. And this uh, this case is no less important after fifty years than right. a case that just happened yesterday. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And un- and unfortunately, as we mentioned in our video uh, episode one, we uh, there there's no usable DNA from what we understand. Um, you know, even though she was raped, apparently, I mean, again, 1970, the thought that there would be DNA testing in the future of law enforcement was not, unfortunately, it was not something that, uh, some people did not even understand it. And sometimes the, uh, there may have been evidence, but they didn't know how to collect it or, or keep it, you know, and it's just unfortunate of, of the, you know, some of the time there. So I've been thinking about that a lot. There were two, um, two reports 
and we'll go into this in a, in a later episode, but there were two reports that, um, uh, I think they called them chemical investigators, went mm. to, the, to the scene where they found uh, Judy Hikari. Um, okay. So I'm not quite ready to give up on whether there's DNA or not, because I have, I've seen, um, I guess I, I, I've seen reports where it says there's no DNA, but I haven't seen any, but, but I've also seen reports that there were people collecting chemical um, evidence. So I'm not yeah, ready to give up it, on that. Yeah, yeah, and, and who knows? I mean, you know, we, we, we definitely want everyone to know that we're, whatever we come up with, we are absolutely going to be working with the, the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department as far as whatever their wishes are. And there are, especially now, cases where they withhold some information so that they can kind of confirm certain things if somebody comes forward or somebody's accused, they can confirm whether or not, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if that's happening here. Or if or somebody not were to make asking. like a prison confession, like last minute confession, right? they right. hold that right. stuff back so that they yeah. know if I don't know if they were doing that back then or if they did that with this case, we, we really don't know. But, uh, but I think a lot of, you know, when you're talking about a 50 year old case, I think a lot of it's going to go toward uh, MO, you know, modus operandi. It's going to be about because that is something that we've noticed with other serial killers. And, and we're looking into another serial killer that was active around here around that time. That uh, With also uh, a terrible name, like, like needs a rebranding. <laughs> we're not getting into that. This <laughs> I know you're, you're shaking your head. I know. I know. We'll, we'll get into that in another. another uh, that's going to be a fun one, actually, because uh, it won't be about any, anybody specific. So uh, it, we yeah. can actually have fun with that one. But, uh, but yeah, so. So again, reiterating, we want to we want to put as much out there as possible about Judy Hikari and the other the other girls. Uh, Judy Hikari was our first, the first one we found out about, and hers was also the first in that unfortunate series of crimes. So that that's why Judy is is being uh, uh, is kind of the flagship case. What, what's kind of sad at. about the Judy Hikari case is she does seem mostly forgotten in, I guess in pop culture and in the news media and yeah. everything, she seems mostly forgotten. And, right. you know, when we did a search for Donna Lass, for example, I mean, there's just so much stuff out there. But when we because did a the Zodiac search, connection. Because of the Zodiac connection. But right. when we did a search for Judy Hikari, it became very a lot more difficult. And, yes. and it was actually... It seems to be a very regional thing. Yeah, yeah. So yep. we want to... We wanna, shine a spotlight on this case and see if we can help help detectives who have been working on it for 50 years to get it right. solved. Yep. And I, and I think the community would be, there's the local media has uh, occasionally brought it up every five or 10 years and some of the milestones, you know, 25 years and, you know, recently 50 years. Uh, so it, it, the, it, the community hasn't forgotten here, uh, hasn't forgotten about her. And, and, uh, uh, but it's certainly not a, a prevalent case. And, I, and we're hoping that we can, you know, with, with the new media availability that we have uh, in, uh, in presenting this case, you know, and hopefully in a very respectful, uh, chronological, technical way that, that, you know, if we do, if we do the right thing, we'll, we'll get a lot more eyeballs on this case and, and hopefully jar loose some, some new evidence. That's what I hope. Yep. 
All right. Well, thanks, Gavin. Thank you, whoever's listening. And uh, and definitely tune in. Uh, subscribe to our podcast here and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's called Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin. And uh, we'll be we'll be putting up some links and things uh, uh, for for more interaction uh, with a uh, you know for for you anybody who's listening can find out more information in the, the timeline that we put together and the evidence that we've seen and and gathered and uh, and we'll we'll move forward on that. So uh, great. Great first episode, Gavin. <laughs> I guess. I've never podcasted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't say that anymore. Thanks, Gavin. We'll, we'll uh, see you next time. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. Please subscribe to stay up to date with the cases that we feature. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin, for more details and visuals that we can't provide here. If you have information on any of the cases we feature, please visit rgsolvecrimes.com.